Paul George leads the Clippers past the Trailblazers, the shorthanded 76ers keep it close, but ultimately fall to the Milwaukee Bucks and the Utah Jazz beat the Atlanta Hawks. Plus, should Nikola Jokic be suspended more than one game? We break it down in real or fake. It's the Wednesday edition of Locked on NBA. Let's go. You are Locked on NBA, your daily NBA podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA, the daily podcast covering everything you want to know about the association. And on Wednesdays, I'm your co-host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter and the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. And I'm John Corrales, Reds Army underscore John on Twitter, and I host the Locked On Celtics podcast. Thank you for making Locked On NBA your first listen every single day. We are free five days a week. No paywall, anything like that. Just hoops talk. Monday through Friday. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and we're available on YouTube as well. And today's episode of Locked On NBA is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. And a big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. All right, John, only three games on this Tuesday night, but they were pretty good ones. Like, there's big storylines in all of these. We got the Nikola Jokic suspension, only one game. I don't know if that feels right or not. We're going to debate it in the third segment of today's show. But let's start off with the uh, Los Angeles Clippers down in the Portland Trailblazers, 117-109. Paul George might be the front runner for MVP uh, early on in this season, he had 24 points in this one, nine rebounds, seven assists. They limited him a little bit because he was dealing with some foul trouble. But once he kind of came back into the game in the fourth quarter, he just really shut the door on the Blazers. This is his sixth straight game scoring over 20 points for them. It's kind of a bit of like a Paul George reputation revival tour he's on this season. If I recall correctly, you in maybe our hot take show, what were the one that said Paul George for MVP. Uh, right. And I was like, you're a little crazy here. Uh, and you laid out a pretty strong case that PG without another star next to him felt more comfortable taking over. And here's, here's your evidence like this right now, you, you are completely right on here. Uh, that late in the game that, you know, they survived his foul trouble early and late in the game, he just took over. Now, how much of that was Paul George and how much of that is Portland has absolutely horrible defense and couldn't get any stops? Little column A, little column B, but <laughs> Paul George, you take advantage of a bad defensive team that that cannot get any stops. So huge night for him. A huge night for Nick Batum, who had 22 points, six rebounds and assists, six of eight from three. I was dying to make a Carmelo Anthony type tweet where I can't believe two years ago this guy was sitting on the Charlotte bench. But um, here's a guy, right? He, he's like cast off. Uh, I don't know if Charlotte is still paying him from uh, when they – did they stretch and wave him? I think they might still be paying him. And here he is now making an impact on the Clippers. So shout out to Nick Batum. 
he he kind of iced the game, right? They they were down by I think it was five, and Chauncey Billups drew up a three for Damian Lillard that he missed. They got the rebound, got the ball to Nick Batum, and he drains a three. And basically, that's like a six point swing, essentially, kind of at, at that point in the game. And it just closed the door on them. They get like just enough right now for the Clippers to like keep winning games, right? You've got Paul George who's putting on this kind of MVP season performance, and you're getting these kind of veteran guys to give them just enough, right? Like Reggie Jackson, 23 points on this one. Eric Bledsoe wasn't completely miserable in this game and was like a mixed bag, which you know what? That's kind of big given how he played. I'm not bitter or anything from his past year in New Orleans and some of the performances we've seen from him right now. And that's like just enough to keep them relevant, to keep them winning games. You know, I don't think I look at them as kind of a finals team or anything like that, but they're good enough to be in the mix for a high seed in the Western Conference. And again, it kind of works. Your superstar player, competent enough role players. Like this isn't rocket science sometimes. Right, right, totally. And then you flip it over to the the Portland side where Dame kind of, sort of comes out of his funk a little bit, shoots, oh, at one point it was 50% from the field, four of 13 from three, still not great, but uh, had a stretch there in the fourth quarter where he was just he hitting everything. Miss. We're starting to get a little bit of Dame time. And it just is very stark with the Blazers. When Damian Lillard is doing the Damian Lillard things, wow, the Blazers look like they're pretty good. Nurkic is taking advantage of the space and, you know, you have Powell doing things and Covington doing things and, you know, maybe not finishing layups in transition, but, you know, <laughs> doing things out there. And when, when Lillard is not himself, they go through a low. And, and I come out of this thinking like, wow, Portland just mistimed this entire thing. If Damian Lillard wasn't quite as good as he was, then I think Portland wouldn't have made some of the deep runs that they'd made. I think you might not have Olshay surviving until this point. And now you have a situation where, and, and Charles Barkley was touching on this in, in, at halftime, Portland's still kind of in disarray. And I don't know what they're going to do to fix this. Olshay now is being investigated, but he's the guy who just hired the head coach. Where's Portland going to go? How are they going to blow this up? And if you bring in a new GM to start selling off the pieces, what do they think about Chauncey Billups? And, and, and how does that kind of set that situation up? So it, it's really just messy in Portland. At halftime, I was thinking to myself, it doesn't even matter if Dame wants to get traded or not. Like they just might need to start trading people and rebuilding from just tear it down in Portland. It, it, that'd be the smart move, right? Like can you, they've kind of reached the end of the rope. Like they're they're never going to win a title with this team, and they've kind of just run out of assets and moves that they can make. It's it's essentially you know the the rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. What they've been doing for a while now, right? They got rid of Terry Stotts, who was a good coach, just to bring like to do something different right. and hope it has like a massive impact. When honestly, it's kind of as you say, right? Like it's Damian Lillard when he plays well, they're really good. 
when he's just kind of mediocre or off, like he's been this season, they look pretty bad. Like it sometimes it's it, like sometimes our jobs are not hard to analyze this. When Lillard is an MVP candidate, he takes his team really far, right. you know, like more at 11 here. But <laughs> yeah, and like, but there's only so much you could do, but that's never going to win you a title. They've made some deep runs, but never at one point when I was like, oh, that's a team that could get to the finals ever. And I'm probably never going to feel that way about them because they can't make those kind of moves. So at what point do you just kind of of like call it right like at one point is it just kind of is what it is you know look they might be looking to potentially sell that team you know there's there's some stuff going on there which maybe means you just don't do it and maybe they're just happy getting to the second round of the playoffs every year and having some fun moments right so i don't know if you you do it but i think if it's like we're trying to win a title yeah but that doesn't necessarily mean you kind of pull the trigger on that you simpsons fan Somewhat like when I was younger, but nothing recently. There's an episode where they go. There's plenty of Simpsons fans. I'm sure watching the show, listening to the show. There's an episode where they go to itchy and scratchy land and the robot itchies and scratchies take over and Homer in his comedic desperation throw like throws everything he can at the charging robots. He's pulling out spare change. He rips his underwear off. He throws his camera at the, at the charging robots and the camera flashes and they find I out remember this. This is an old robot. one. This is an old one. I'm an old guy. This is a good one, though. This is one of the best ones. That, to me, is what the Portland Trailblazers were hoping to do. They did. They threw literally everything they could. Olshay was ripping his underwear out and throwing it at the problem to try and fix it. And he was hoping for that camera flash to kill the robots and make Portland good. And it just never happened. Dame is too good to make them want to rebuild, but they just can't count. I think they came into the season hoping, hey, Chauncey, you know, can come in and, and do whatever he does. And a couple of these other players can come in and, and do what they do. And maybe a full season in Norm Powell can can really help. And you just got to hope that Dame pulls it together again. And he hasn't so far. Maybe he will and things will change, but the entire thing is simple. It hinges on Dame being awesome. And if Dame's not awesome, the whole thing is broken. And you can't count on Dame being awesome all the time because eventually he's going to get tired and wear out and you need someone else to be awesome next to him. They're done. Portland is done to me, especially when you look at the rest of the West. I don't see what they're going to do. Just cash in your chips if you can. Sell them off at the deadline. Get what you can and start to rebuild. Go into the Houston Rockets type tank and and hope for the best. Look, you know it's it's still kind of surprising to me that they have CJ McCollum on the team. Like they needed to right? do like something, right? Like, and they they kind of just brought it all back and hoped that Chauncey Billups would be that difference maker. But like, look. As good as coaches can be, they're not the like they're not going to completely change the fortunes of your team when it's the same roster. But it also kind of speaks to Olshay and some of the issues he's had, particularly in the media, of being like, "Oh, it wasn't you know the roster wasn't the problem last year, the, the roster that he built." And now he's going through his own issues in turmoil with you know which Mike Richmond, who hosts Locked On Blazers, is covering. So if you want more on that situation, be sure to give him a listen. I think he's one of our awesome hosts here on the Locked On Podcast Network. So coming up next, 76ers keep it close to the Bucks and the Jazz beat the Hawks. We're going to break it down. And then in the third segment, Jokic suspended for only one game. Is that right or wrong? Is that real or fake? We're going to break it down for you all. Coming up here next in the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA. Before we get to that, though, today's episode of Locked On NBA is brought to you by Built 
bar. I love Thanksgiving. You get all of that great food, tons of it, but maybe you want a delicious dessert that just isn't so full of calories and sugar. So it's the perfect time for Built Bars. You've got to start thinking of Built Bar as the new holiday dessert. So if you want to feast on something delicious and feel good about it, Built Bar is the way to go. One slice of pie, upwards of 300 calories. That is a lot. Most Built Bars are only 130 calories and they only have four grams of sugar and they have plenty of protein and they taste delicious. Replace that coconut cream pie with the coconut brownie chunk, a limited time flavor that you can get at Built.com right now. And you should pause the podcast and go and do that. Replace it. They're delicious. They're covered in 100% real chocolate and they're going to be low calorie, low carb, low fat, high in protein. They're going to be delicious. You're not even going to realize you're not eating pie anymore. So they're also a great option if you're hungry, if you need something for breakfast, or if you want something after a workout. I will eat one of these things basically every single day for lunch. And they're going to have new surprises all month long. So you've got to check Built.com regularly for all the fun, special, limited time flavors. And there's nothing like a Built Bar Black Friday sale. So mark your calendars. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15. You're going to get 15% off your next order again that is promo code lock 15 for 15 percent off at built.com all right thank you for making locked on nba your first listen every single day we're available on all platforms including youtube and wherever you get your podcast and we're free five days a week You don't pay anything to subscribe. It's just awesome basketball talk Monday through Friday here. And we got two more games we got to cover. John, the 76ers fell to the Milwaukee Bucks in a game that was probably closer than it should have been. For the 76ers, no Joel Embiid, no Ben Simmons as they haven't had all year, no Tobias Harris. They lose 109-118. That closer than you thought it should be? Yeah, but you know what? This is kind of par for the course with the, the Sixers. They shouldn't... Not only should they not have been this close in this game, they shouldn't be eight and four in the standings. No, not at all. And it's it's because they're getting these just crazy performances night in and night out. Like Tyrese Maxey was amazing in this game, 31 points. You, you, you get Shake Milton. You get George Niang coming in with, with big performances. They're getting big performances from guys that they shouldn't be getting big performances from. And I was actually listening to... Uh, the Hoop Collective and Kevin Arnovich and uh, Kevin Pelton were talking about the, you know, they're using the fancy ESPN stats that we don't have access to. And basically Philly is shooting an ungodly amount on shots that they shouldn't be hitting. The expected field goal percentage on the shots that they're taking is much lower than what it actually is. And you see it in games like this where Maxi is, hitting half of his shots and Yang is hitting five of seven from three. And, you know, it's great that they're hitting these shots and all of that stuff, but where I think we're also, this might be the beginning of a little bit of regression to the mean for, for the Sixers. Yeah, I I think to a certain degree, I I think Maxi kind of, to me, looks like the real deal. He showed a lot of promise. I thought at like the end of last season when he finally broke into the rotation and got some minutes, but he's kind of playing out of his mind right now. You know, Paul Reed has done really well for him too, but these are young guys that usually kind of hit some lulls at some point in their career. Like Paul Reed did a pretty good job of guarding Giannis, I thought in this game and like the Bucks won 
Yeah, I know. Like Giannis didn't feel like he had a great game, right? In this one. And like, I don't know if you're going to see that kind of performance from, from Paul Reed every single game, but look, man, they get it done. Like they've got a number. They haven't had Simmons all year long. They still win. They've been without Joel Embiid at times. They've been without Tobias Harris and they still pull it off. Like, you know, it's good experience for these young guys to kind of get that sort of run. But what about kind of the flip flip side for the, uh, for the Milwaukee bucks? There we go. I can say this, right. Where it's like, (laughs) it's a subpar Giannis game. They still know Middleton, right? Drew holiday was off. He's been out of the lineup and still kind of trying to find his place. Are you worried about them at all? No, not really. I think it's hilarious that 31.16 rebounds and four assists, two blocks. Is right. It's like, oh, I'm disappointed in him. <laughs> um, no, I'm not worried about the Bucks necessarily. Um, they still don't have um, – um, geez, why am I drawing a total blank? Middleton? Middleton's name. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, we did, we did our, our – our show after opening night. And I remember saying, wow, I thought the bucks were going to come in and kind of coast for a little while, but Nope, they came in and they laid, laid the hammer down on Brooklyn. And now it's like, okay, I think, I think they're kind of, there's a little bit of a, a step back there. Not really something that I'm concerned about. I think, I think we saw, especially in this game, I saw passes whizzing past the honest that, he wasn't even like trying to tip or anything like that. It was, I think everybody's just a a step back from where they would normally be, which is understandable. You just won a title and it it, it feels like they just stopped playing basketball last season. The finals just ended. Right. So not only is there a short turnaround, like you come out big on opening night and then all of a sudden it's like, wow, I'm a lot more sore than I used to be. And so everybody just takes a step back. I think Milwaukee's going to be fine. You know, they're, they're kind of middling around, but they're, they're a four game winning streak, you know, waiting to happen at any point during the season. And at this point in the season, you win four games in a row, boom, you're back at the top of the standing. So I thought Giannis did a great job. I thought Giannis did an especially great job of driving late and kicking and hitting guys means smacking their shooting pockets in the corners. Like he did such a great job. It's not just like drive, put your head down and just kind of fling it. He was putting it right in the pocket for these guys to shoot, and they were hitting their corner threes. That that is like forget all the other stuff where you're like, oh, okay, maybe they're kind of coasting, whatever. When it mattered, Giannis doing that kind of stuff, that was awesome. Yeah, look, Grayson Allen's been a very good addition for them with DiVincenzo still out, kind of adding another guy to kind of do some of the things that he does. He had 25 points in this one. He was five of nine for three, and he's been good all year in 10 starts, playing about 30 minutes per game. He's averaging 15 points per game. He's taking over eight threes per game and hitting them at 40%. And when you get a guy that's going to like, he's he won't space the court for Giannis, right? Cause you're never going to go cover Grayson Allen over trying to take away Giannis at the rim. But when you, when Giannis makes that pass, he'll make teams pay for doing that. And that's kind of what you hope him to do. Yeah. They're, they're going to be fine. I think long-term can I, I, I got to mention before we move on to the next game, Shemi Ojale, 11 points, <laughs> four, four shooting three of three from three former Celtic. Shemi's Shemi's a great guy. I'm, I'm glad he got a little bit of an opportunity. 11 points and eight rebounds for my guy, Shemi Ojale. All right, moving on. Moving on to the Utah Jazz beating the Atlanta Hawks. The Jazz avoid a three-game losing streak. Atlanta gets on a five-game losing streak right now with a 110-98 win over this one. 
Look, Donovan Mitchell feels like he could be having a special season this year. 27 points from him. He was 5 of 11 from deep. He was just a killer down the stretch for the Jazz. Basically, not going to let this one even get close and trying to close it out. He was great for him. And look, the Hawks are are struggling, but they still get contributions to kind of stay in this one. Kevin, It's like the Kevin Herter game, right? 28 right. points for him. But did not score in the fourth quarter. And neither did Trey Young, and that's the big difference here. Um, I am more concerned about the Jazz. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, the the Hawks than I am about the Jazz for sure. Um, I think I think the the Hawks have a little bit of a hangover from last year. I think the Nate McMillan bump kind of went away, and I think that the Hawks, uh, with their deep playoff run kind of got into a um, less of an underdog type of feeling and more of a, wow, that is a long road. Like when your season normally ends after 82 games, you think, yeah, I can do this. Not a problem. When your season doesn't end until like the conference finals, you realize, oh my God, there is so much basketball and playoff basketball is so hard and so different. I think it's tough. I do think it's a little tough for the Atlanta Hawks to come in and kind of get up for all of these games and and really put it all together. So uh, I'm a little bit more concerned about the Atlanta Hawks. And obviously we have the Trey Young kind of trying to adjust to the foul calls and, and everything. Two free throws. He took two free throws in this game. Yeah, it's weird, right? Right? You know, so I, I wonder if – there was, I don't want to call it smoke and mirrors, right? But I think there was a lot of luck for them in that playoff run last year. Like they finished fifth in the East. That's not amazing to me, right? Like they weren't a top one or two seed that was kind of expected to go on this run. They caught the Knicks in the first round. That was a really, really good matchup for them when the Knicks were kind of starting to trail off playing under Tibbs and all of that. And then in the round after that, right? In the semifinals, you get the 76ers where Ben Simmons didn't, make shots or even take shots in the fourth quarters of a seven game series and he completely collapsed right and so you get a little bit of luck by if they played almost any other team in that series they probably lose or if Ben Simmons makes like two shots in the fourth quarter in that series more than whatever he did right like they probably lose that series so I wonder if you know should they really have been in the conference finals Anyway, right. and there's some luck that plays into it. So did we start to overrate them a little bit because of that, I think? Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's hard to say. And look, it's it's also early. Herter, like you said, had a great game and, and is good. Capella, you know, co- this combination of guys, Capella, Collins, Cam Reddish is having a, a really good season. Like, it, it's, it's okay to struggle early on. I think where <laughs> we say we overrated the Atlanta Hawks is that we put them in that upper echelon, I think, or close to that upper echelon, just a tad too soon. It's not that yeah, they're not I think good. That's fair. I think it's that they are good. It's that I think people put them at the top of that second tier, kind of knocking on the door and, and they're not, and, and they still have things to figure out. And, and when you do factor in the officiating with Trey and all of that stuff, um, it, it does change a little bit and is an adjustment. I wouldn't be surprised if they, they figured things out a little bit later on, but right now it's much more of, a, of an adjustment than they thought. Meanwhile, for Utah, I think that this was, I, th- I think what we're seeing with Utah is a little bit of a different version of what we saw last year, where they're doing things to try to help 
themselves in the playoffs, and they're using the regular season to make adjustments geared solely towards figuring things out in the playoffs. You're seeing Rudy trying to be a little bit more uh, offensive-minded, and that's leading to some adjustment issues. I think they're trying to play just a little bit differently in in these games and, and with the mindset of we know when the playoffs come around, they're going to we're going to have to be a little bit of a different team and i think they're using the regular season this year like they did last year and the year before a little bit as kind of like the let's work through it we know we can be a great regular season team let's let's figure out how to be a good playoff team and do the the things that we need to do now that we're going to really need to do later no, I think that makes sense. And that's probably the smart move for them, given that we they, they're they're good. We know they're good. We know they're going to be a high seed. They haven't had the playoff success. Go and do that and focus on that. I kind of like that idea for them, actually, a lot. Yeah, I mean, like we we saw it. And I think one of, one of the great plays that I saw in this game came, was it 98-91? And um, Donovan Mitchell is dribbling, dribbling, dribbling and trying to do something. And then he stops. And he's like, whoa, 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 hold on. Then he calls over Royce O'Neal, who sets a pick, knowing that that's going to draw a double team onto Donovan. He kind of draws that double team, dumps it over to Royce O'Neal into the middle of the paint, and Royce scores. That's the type of play that they're going to need to hone in on because we know Donovan's going to get doubled and blitzed in the playoffs. They need to figure out who's setting the picks, where those things are going to come from, and getting the ball out of Donovan's Donovan's hands at, a, at the right time in the right place for a teammate to make a play. I thought that type of thing was indicative of what they need to do moving forward. We'll find out. Look, I, I, I like that idea, though, of kind of prepping for the future because that's a team that like kind of needs to do some damage in this postseason. So coming up, Nikola Jokic suspended one game. Markeith Morris, no suspension. Real, fake, we're going to break it down coming up here next in today's episode of Locked On NBA. But before we get to that, uh, today's episode of Locked On NBA is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So head to their new updated desktop or mobile website, sign up today, and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code Locked on you put in a hundred dollars you're gonna get 50 back it's like you've already won a bet and look you're a knowledgeable sports fan you're listening to lockdown nba right now they've got tons of props if you want to bet donovan mitchell's over under on points you can do it go put that sports knowledge to work for you so whether it's basketball football nhl boxing ufc write your favorite vegas casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season bet online it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports bet online where the game starts So thank you for making Locked On NBA your first listen every single day. We are free and available on all platforms, wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube five days a week. You don't need to pay a thing. We're just here breaking down everything going on around the association. So thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen. 
All right, John, we knew there was going to be some suspension from the incident between Nikola Jokic and Markeith Morris in the game the other day. It came out the NBA is suspending Nikola Jokic for one game. He's going to serve that upcoming against the Indiana Pacers. Markeith Morris is fined basically the maximum allowed, $50,000. Jimmy Butler gets a $30,000 fine. Real or fake? Like, is this a real thing? Is this what it should have been? Or is this just kind of a fake BS suspension for Jokic, in your opinion? Fake, fake, fake. I thought that Jokic... Uh, should have been suspended for more games. Now, my initial reaction was that that Jokic was was going to get a much bigger suspension. I, I kind of like looked at it and said, "All right, I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna temper that a little bit." It wasn't in the heat of the moment. It wasn't quite as quite as bad as it might have looked, but still bad. Here's why I thought it should have been at least three games. You get the one game suspension because you're you're just for the action, right? The second one, I think, because the guys back was turned and that leaves him completely defenseless. And we know in the NBA defenseless is kind of amplified when a, when a player is defenseless, that that increases just generally speaking, the penalty on the offender. And the third reason is Jokic has done something like this before, maybe not quite this egregious, but Jokic lets his emotions get out of control. And I understand fully, that Markeith Morris took a cheap shot and threw kind of a shoulder in there, and it was a dangerous play. That I think people want to say, oh, he did this, therefore this was justified. Two separate things in my mind, because you got to be under more control when you're Jokic. Morris did what he did, deserved to be kicked out, deserved to be suspended for sure. I think he should have gotten a game. Jokic for the a, a, a worse action, with the guy's back turned, and because he has a history of doing this, those are three things that each one of those equals a game to me. So I think it should have been three games and not one. So I, I disagree with you. So I think this is real. Like, this seems right to me. Like, I kind of think they 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 nailed this from a couple of aspects of it. So they acknowledged in the press release that Markeith Morris was – instigating it. And what he did was dirty and very clearly planned. Totally. He ran across the court to do that body on their knee on knee, try to pop him in the ribs, all that like dirty play by Markeith Morris. Right. So I think they kind of realized that because it was a dirty play, it, it justifies Jokic to some degree to the point that you don't need to suspend him for longer than one game, but you've got to send something down. They don't really tend to suspend guys for more than one game on this, right? Like even if it could have caused an injury, like, Patrick Beverly didn't get any suspension when he basically did a dirty play that caused Westbrook to miss part of a year, right? You, 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 uh, they gave Beverly one game when he shoved Chris Paul in the back last season, the year before right. that, right? Similar to that the Jokic hit was harder, put his shoulder into him, his whole big body weight, but it was one game in Markeith Morris was fine. I think, you know, and you, but, but here's the thing, right? Like you don't tend to factor in those other dirty incidents before. Like they don't really suspend guys for dirty play out there. Beverly would never play. Chris Paul would have been suspended more in his <laughs> career, right? Like Markeith Morris is a dirty player, but you don't get suspended for dirty play. You just get that reputation. So I don't mind that they didn't suspend him. His punishment for what he did was the flagrant two and the ejection kind of is 
what it was. The fine kind of fits that too, but I don't think there's any sort of precedent for suspending Jokic longer than a game or even suspending Morris at all. And I think the Jimmy Butler part of it's kind of fine too, right? Because he's trying to make this a big, big fight and make this bigger yeah. than it was. And it's like, you don't, you don't need to be doing that. So you need some sort of punishment. So could you have made the claim that they should be, each should have been suspended more or one for Morris or like, you know, like a three to one thing, Jokic to Morris here. Yeah. But that's not what they do. And given the past precedents, I think they kind of got this exactly right. Okay. I think you're making a point that, that I, I think supports me in a way. Basically, I think the NBA, <laughs> the NBA has, has, has been too lenient with these suspensions. And that's, if I have a little bit of a criticism with um, Adam Silver, is that he does skew lenient on, on punishments like this. And I think he treats every one of these little things as this is its own little box. And we're going to, this is, yeah. but no, you have to take into account that Jokic is prone to this. And if you punish him and he keeps doing this, it's like, Oh, well I'm only going to get a game. And so I need a day off anyway. So that's fine. Not a problem. If you put him at risk of missing three games and then four games or then five games, well, that changes the dynamic a little bit. Look, I, I am sympathetic to Jokic reacting. And frankly, if Jokic's reaction was to walk up to Morris and go face to face with him and then they got into a fight, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be fired up about this. I'd be like, yeah, you know what? Emotions That's got fair. the best of them. You know, I, I think if if they actually went toe to toe, then fine. Whatever happens, happens. But because it was a shot to the back, and it never, I'm I'm willing to allow for an emotional reaction. I'm willing to do that, and I understand that Jokic. That was a serious, that could have been serious. And the knee to knee stuff, some people are talking about. No, Adam Matas is talking about that. And, and sure, that is completely legitimate. Reacting to a play that could have hurt you, totally fine. I get that. But this isn't the playground where people say, hey, if that happened to me on the playground, we're going to throw hands. Like, I get that. But this is the NBA and it's different. And so you got to hold yourself to a different standard. So, Hitting a guy in the back was a just one step too far. And considering Jokic's history, I, I, I know he's just going to do this again sometime. Maybe, like maybe, and maybe they'll factor it in. But it's you know, I, I was in a group chat and someone was like, "Oh, they should have they should have suspended Morris a game too." And I, I asked him the question. And I was like, "How many times has he been suspended for that kind of play?" He's been suspended a lot in his career by the team for like off court incidents, but like never a thing on the court. And if you don't have that record of it, like I don't know what the NBA is supposed to do more than being like, "Don't don't do it again." This is kind of like the first like real 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 transgression of like on the court stuff where it's like, "Oh, okay, that." was very truly dangerous and it warrants the fine it warranted the flagrant too i just don't know if it warrants more than that given their past your argument of maybe they're too lenient on this is fine but it's also a star driven league like they want Jokic playing and they don't want him suspended and it's also kind of one of those things at the end of the day everyone was okay to you know to a degree i know morris is missing the upcoming game but like I don't know. Like, I, I get the heated actions. I think the NBA seems to understand that too. And I like that they're keeping some of that emotion in. But like, yeah, certainly don't, don't like, 
check a dude fr- with your shoulder in the back when he's not looking when you're 280 pounds going in full blast like that. Yeah. I mean, let's I'm look, I come from the old school eighties. I mean, I, Robert <laughs> Parrish, Robert Parrish, like chopped Bill Lambeer like four or five times and didn't even get a foul called on him. So, I mean, I'm from, I'm from a, you know, a, a time where that stuff is, but you know, this is just different. It's just different. And, Look, a shot to the back is a shot to the back. I, I just I can't get past that. I, I think that's fair. And so everyone listening to the show and watching on YouTube, let us know in the comments there and on Twitter at Nola Jake and at Reds Army underscore John. Was this the right suspension? The wrong suspension? Was this real or fake? Let us know. And that's going to do it for the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA. Thank you all very much for listening. Go check out the Locked On Bets podcast, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and analysis and insight from lee sterling and as always on wednesdays i'm your co-host jake madison at nola jake on twitter and the host of the locked on pelicans podcast and i'm john corrales at reds army underscore john on twitter and i host the locked on celtics podcast thank you all for listening we'll be back with you all next week 